Hi, everyone. It's Gracie, and um, we're back with Self-Care with Gracie podcast. We've been doing a five-week journey where this is week three of five weeks, and it's called From Guilt to Greatness, and it's a journey about transforming your inner control freak into a true goddess and really exploring how, how much we are programmed in, in our culture and in our world to keep ourselves smaller and looking at really the fear of what it is to get bigger and what that brings up along the way. So the first week we talked about control and why it is we like are, quote, a control freak. And, and that's, that was a great one. You can check that one out in the podcast backlog. And last week I was chatting with my friend Lindsay and we talked about vulnerability and creativity and why it can be so hard to just put ourselves out there and express ourselves and make something. And all of the podcasts, I'm doing them as conversations because I think that it's, it's the way that I think that the, the most ideas can come forth. And, and I really like to approach all of this like I don't really know, but I want to understand this more. And I think that desire to understand is, is one of the most powerful ways to actually start to make some breakthroughs. So we have a really special podcast guest today. We have um, Mr. Mark Mulligan. Thank you for being here with us. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here with you on a Halloween. Yeah, it is. It's Halloween. And I was telling Mark before the podcast that um, it's, it's uh, like trick-or-treating time, and I did not have a single trick-or-treater last year, so I was, I was worried about Poncho barking, but we're going to take a little risk. So you, you've already heard him. You might hear Poncho in the background. And, so, well, and you've also heard that Mark is not a female, that Mark is a man. And um, it's, I think it's really... <laughs> Great to get uh, this can be as uh, those of you who listen to this podcast know that most of my guests are female and and I don't think that the self care work is just about the, the the female experience. I think it can be more about bringing in like a balance between the feminine and the masculine and I, Mark's a very special person in my life he's been a good friend for a, a long time, and he's going to be the coach that will start working with the male program that um, we're starting in the spring. So all of the men out there listening, all of the women out there who are listening who know the men who just need to have like that, that great grounding in their life around really doing this self-care work from a masculine perspective, look out after the first of the year, we're going to be putting out some information. And, and I thought this would be a good way for the community to get to know Mark and then also for us to get just a different perspective because what we're going to be talking about today is competition and collaboration and why we can really hold each other back through competition, how we can push each other forward through competition, and then how does competition and collaboration really really move together. And it's a big subject matter. We'll see what, what insights come forth. I'm excited because I can already feel like I'm going to learn something. And so I'm curious for you, Mark, because I know that you are um, a big fan of competition. You are a competitive swimmer all through high school and college, and that, that you use competition as a way to, um, to I think, get something out of, out of life. And so I'd love to hear about competition from your perspective of, like, what your relationship with it has been as, as an athlete, as um, someone who works, and maybe even as a man, how you experience it. Yeah, I think competition – in, in the right format and put into the right set of circumstances can be extremely enabling. It can be inspiring. Um, it can be a platform to help to allow people to know that 
they might be doing the most at that point, but there's always more to reach for. Um, but then I think we've all seen the flip side of it, where competition can be used to push people into areas where they don't want to go. And again, sometimes that can help people, but uh, in a lot of times it places people into a position where they start doubting themselves, um, where it undermines their confidence. And I think once you start undermining people's confidence by competition, you've lost the whole battle, you know, um, the whole reason for true competition. So as I've grown up, and as you mentioned, I was a competitive swimmer my whole life. Um, I was in the competitive arena 24-7 pretty much up until I was about 23 years old when I stopped swimming. And I had coaches that used competition and sports to push you harder and in psychological ways that were not good. Then I had coaches that used it as a space of improvement and just allowing you to push yourself where you needed to go. And those are the coaches, you know, that as I look back in my career that were the best. They helped you find where your strengths were instead of thinking they needed to push you into the strengths that they thought were best for you. Um, and then as I got into my professional career and as a father, um, you know, more and more I saw how competition could be used for good and it could be used for bad. Uh, so I think that for us as human beings, we need to watch ourselves when we get into a competitive situation and try to hold that high moral ground when you're in a competitive environment, you know, and know that you're doing the best you can. And if that's where you're at and somebody is beating you, in quotations, whether it's in sports or in your professional career, that there's always space for you to do what's best for you and not have to beat somebody to be successful. Hmm. Okay, I, I like a lot of what you're saying here because I feel like what, what I hear is like the, the high frequency of competition is that, that it, it refines you and it, it helps you to use the, like the pressure of somebody else or the, like the racing against somebody else or what, whatever that we're doing as a way to become more in yourself and that there's a way to hold that aspect of competition without having to go into the lower frequency, which is really about like the win and lose dynamic of like wanting to like boost your, boost your ego. I'm kind of feeling into it for myself. Like what is it when I'm winning? I'm like, I'm, I'm on top and you're on the bottom and like understanding like there's something about my ego that like likes that feeling of being more powerful. that makes me feel safer. Um, so, I mean, do you see, you see like a, a difference between those two aspects? Do you relate to that? Oh, yeah. I mean, just the other night we were playing cards with my family and playing Uno. You know? <laughs> and I was getting really competitive. And it was fun, you know. We were just sort of jabbing each other. But there's that side of me, too, that likes to be on top, you know. And uh, it's not always about being philosophical and in that really high vibration space. Sometimes it's fun to be winning. Um, but, you know, that was a, an example of just playing cards with our family and having fun. Um, but you can have that 
feeling of, ooh, I'm better than somebody else, and it can start to take a hold of you. And, boy, I know that I've had to check myself in past situations in my life to say, okay, why am I feeling like this? What is it really promoting inside of me? And is it at the expense of somebody else? Mm. Um, yep. Yep. And, yeah, <laughs> I think that if, if we're able to find that, that, that path where it is in the flow, you know, competition is just a beautiful place to be because you're doing something that is really like a God-given gift. And in that space, you are really, there's no competition. It's just an expression of what my talent is. And like, especially in swimming, for me, it was very you against yourself. You're in your own lane. You're swimming against the clock. And it's all about, in, in the real psychology of it and the philosophy of it, you against yourself because you're working every day to improve and refine your skill in that water. And then that just transmits into everything you're doing, you know, in your life. If hopefully you can find that opportunity that God, the great spirit, the universe is providing you and you're aware enough to step into that space and allow that to be, you know, the, the wind in your sails that's pushing you, competition really sort of falls away. It, well, it makes me think that it's almost like we need another, another name for it because if they feel like, like when I think about like my family, we love to play games with each other and we, well, I don't know. I say we love, we like, we, that's what we do together and we get a high off of the competition but it does. Mm-hmm. It, it ends in hurt feelings normally. It's like I think that oh, we, we I played bocce ball really... with you and your brother. I know. Oh, you know, you know. Oh gosh, yes. It's gonna I get remember so the bocce ball. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Mark lives down in Florida, where my mom lives for a while in a retirement community, and with all games at her retirement community. <laughs> So it was just like when we went, I think it was a Christmas break. It was just like my my brother and I. I get very competitive with my brother, and um and he's very good at games, and I lose, and I feel powerless. And then I get it brings up all those feelings of being like the younger sibling and not having voice, not having power, and I'll get really emotional still. And so what I've learned is that I don't need to play games all the time with my family if I want to like keep emotional stability during the holidays. And also, though, that, that I, I think that having – my brother, I think, is a very intelligent, capable person, and, like, my whole life trying to compete against him, that, like, I might never beat him. Like, I probably will never beat my brother in Scrabble. He's amazing. But playing Scrabble with him makes me a much better Scrabble player, and it helps me to, like – I, like, I sharpen against him when when we compete and my family my whole family has been that way so I, I see that there's like this this positive aspect of of the competition that helps us all like if you were just to be you on the clock do you think when you're swimming do you think it would have been as powerful as you with the people around like other people swimming next to you do you think the like kind of knowing they were there did that push you at all oh absolutely and that's a really good point to bring up and just a concept that I think is really important for people to grasp that you don't want to be around people that you can beat all the time in whatever you're doing, that you're better than. Because there's a very, that's a very hard space to grow. 
some people can do it, you know. Um, but for myself, when I went to college for swimming, for example, I could have gone to a number of different colleges that would give me a full ride on scholarship, and I would have actually probably already had their school records in my events. Um, but I chose to go to the University of Florida because so many of the people on that team were better than me. And I knew personally for myself that environment was something that would, you know, help increase my ability to push myself. Um, so, yeah, in, in any situation in life, I think it's really good to surround yourself with people that are better than you, if possible, because they, you can learn so much from people and help, you know, push yourself that way um, and have them as mentors and teachers and people that inspire you. And then eventually sometimes you become better than them, you know, and that's a good lear- lesson for them to learn as well. But it's, I think it's very important to surround yourself with people that have a high degree of capability in what you're aspiring to be. Absolutely. I agree with this so much. And, and, and I think what tends to happen, though, when we surround ourselves with people who are better than us, it's like if our egos aren't in check, then um, I'll, I'll speak from the eye in this. Like if I surround myself with people who are better than me and my ego is not in check, then I start to get that powerless feeling. And I don't, I don't know how much this is me just being a younger sibling too, that like I'm very sensitive to that powerless feeling. I don't like it. And, and like I can feel that like unhealthy competition where I'll start to feel jealous and start to feel like, like less than and I don't like that feeling. And I know this is something with a lot of women that we can really do this with each other. I'm, I'm curious how this, ex- I'm going to explain the feminine dynamic and I'll, I'll love to hear it from your masculine lens as well, Mark. But like just, I think with women, we have not always been allotted a lot of um, space to be powerful. And it's something that because so many, throughout time, so many women had to align themselves with a powerful man in order to be powerful, that there was this competition between women to get access to the powerful men and to keep that. And, um, and I think that that sticks with us throughout time, too, that we still feel that thing that we like, if there's another woman who's more powerful, she's taking power from us or from me, and we can get jealous in that way. And just in my own experience, I like, I know that before when I was like, I, the work that I'm doing right now, it really feels like the work that I'm here to be doing. It feels like, like I'm really, I step into my own power every day. It's terrifying. It's exciting. It's all those things, but I really do feel like I'm like about at my edge most of the time. And as a result, since doing that, I've noticed that I don't feel jealous of my friends anymore. As before, when I wasn't stepping into my power, I did have this jealousy feeling. And like they had, if I saw someone succeed, I would get that kind of like icky feeling of not wanting them to succeed which I think now looking back, interpreting it, I think it was more wanting myself to succeed, but I didn't know how to do that. And that powerless feeling made me feel the sort of like win or lose dynamic in that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm always curious, like if men experience that in the same way, like do you, do you think, Mark, that men experience jealousy of one another? Is that something, an experience that you relate to? Sure. I, th- I think that's a universal emotion that can grab people at different times. Um, some more than others. Um, you know, I, I've been very, very fortunate in my life that I have had a path, like when I was young, always swimming. And that gave me that really strong sense of identity, place, and worth, because um, I was really good at it. And that was sort of my sounding place, place to be at. So if I did come up against somebody 
and they were better than me in something, there was a part of me that said, well, I'll get in the pool and they can't beat me, you know? So uh-huh. it, maybe that gave me that place where I wasn't so threatened at times. But I felt that around people for sure that are better than me. You know, a guy's better looking than me and you're somewhere when you're younger, you know, trying to pick up girls. And you're like, well, that guy's going to have first choice, you know, th- those kind of thoughts. And, and that's ridiculous because it's not all about looks, you know. It's got about personality and maybe money and looks or whatever it was. But um, I think as we get older, you know, we, we hopefully find out that, yeah, we have a lot of strengths that other people don't. Um, and that's the place to get your perception through. You know, I am a unique person. I am a child of God, just like everybody else. And I have a place on this planet that nobody else has. Nobody. You know, so to stand in that place of strength is where you find the ability to not be jealous, you know, to not be threatened by other people. Um, Because we all have those gifts. And that's our, our task in life is to find that, strengthen it, and then share it. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I think for me, my experience is that I have to make space for there to be that power-hungry, jealous, immature part of myself because she exists. <laughs> And she rears her head up and, you know, like she, like I, I think it's just a really essential aspect of our, our own humanity to recognize that like every human being is interested in power. Like every human Mm -hmm. being wants to be powerful and that most of what we've been taught is in order to be powerful, we have to take the power from somebody else. But like there's, um, and I, I can feel these dynamics all the time, just like like the subtle dynamics in a situation of like the like insider group and the outsider group, and that like when I notice myself being more in the insider group, I can feel that that's powerful, but I also can recognize like look I mean like well, who am I taking power from in this moment? Oh, I'm taking power from this other person, and I can recognize eh, it kind of feels good, you know. There's something in there that like feeling powerful feels good but I think that that's like when you said before like the moral the moral high ground I think the moral high ground is in that moment realizing like okay like can I actually get more power by including the people that feel excluded right now and like can I actually get more power at like you know to like be a voice and to serve in this moment um instead of I, I think what has not worked for me is that thing of like I shouldn't be jealous right now like I should just look mm-hmm. at the bright side because I, I think I needed to know what to do with that other part of me that wanted that wanted it. So it's like I think I let her be there, and I I notice when I start to go towards her, and then I also just say like, okay, like what would actually give me? Not that I shouldn't want power, not that I shouldn't you know want to achieve something. It's more like what would actually give me the most power in this moment. And what I found is it is it's like service and inclusivity. And, like, and that helps me to see my gifts in a way that I've never seen them expressed otherwise. Yeah, it's, it's how do you find, define power. So, you know, a lot of people in our society have a concept of power being control over people, over their jobs or whatever. But to me, power is the ability to be inclusive and live in the moment. That's, to me, that's real power so that you're not 
in a place where I have to have control. That when I'm totally in a place where I have no control is where I'm as comfortable as in a time where I am in a position when I have control. Because um, ultimately, we really don't have control. Mm-hmm. No and, control. And working in like the corporate structure pretty much my whole life. You know, I got out of school, went to work for big corporations in the environmental consulting engineering field. And that's where I've stayed pretty primarily throughout my whole career. Um, I've seen people that have been very successful. And for the most part, they're people who are very good at, especially in the corporate structure, at finding ways to enable those people that work underneath them in the hierarchy of where they're at. You know, the ones that want to control the situation, maybe there's some kind of manager, there are a certain point where they have people underneath them. They don't want to bring in people that are smarter than them, that are better than them, because they can't control that. So they end up limiting themselves ultimately. And at some point, they're removed from that position. But the ones that advance and continue to become better within a corporate situation, a company, a professional environment, are the ones that are constantly bringing in people that are very talented and finding ways to really support them in their skills. And that way, those people bring in more clients, those people bring in more work, and then you're able to expand yourself even more. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It's, 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 to me, it's like caring, caring so much about the mission. And I, I think that's something that I feel in, in the self-care work, that I care so much about what I'm learning through this work and how I see it resonate in other people's lives and, and how I see it actually as being the antidote to a lot of where um, I think we're suffering as a culture. And, and the power of that is so amazing that, like, I want, I want people to come in that are smarter than me. I want people to come in that are more capable. Like, I have as many control issues as, as the next person, if not more. And I'm willing to give up that control if it, if it means this work advancing. And so it's like, I think it's about aligning to a bigger vision as well of like what's ultimately the most important thing is it that I get my voice the loudest and the clearest across and people view me well, which again is that kind of that ego mongering or is it like transcendence and growth and, and the good of the whole. And, mm-hmm. and so maybe that's just people out there listening to this podcast right now who are like, okay, where, where, where does my competition hold me back? And like, why, why can't I get out of this where I just, God, I feel so, I feel so like jealous and competitive all the time. And I don't feel like myself, like, and maybe that's what the antidote is a little bit is just to think about like, what, what vision do you believe in right now? Like, what do you care about? And if you're not sure, then making some space and some time to like, to focus on that and really think about it. Like where, what do you care about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, curiosity is something that can be the antidote for a lot of roadblocks because when something threatens you or makes you feel uncomfortable, it's so easy to fall back in that defensive position. But if you can feel that and say, hmm, that's curious. Why am I feeling like that? Why is that person threatening me? You know, and if it's in a professional situation, somebody that you feel is putting your position at risk, well, okay, are they really? And if they are, well, then why are they doing that? And how can you 
become more like them or get that skill that they have that's maybe putting your position at risk. Yes. Yeah. How do you become more? How do you take the, the discomfort of, that comes up when, when you start to feel like less powerful and like you're on the bottom? Like how do you take that and actually transmute it into like your own growth? Mm-hmm. How, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you go from point A to point B on that? Um, well, you know, in, in most, in, it, a good way to try to transcend that is to find mentors. You know, find people that you really respect and look up to. And sometimes those can be the people that are threatening you, you know. So if you can get past that fear and that jealousy and feeling threatened, you can approach them and say, hey, I really respect you because you are really good at this. And I want to be more like you. And, you know, sometimes you can break down a huge barrier that you think has been created with that person, you know, and they might have felt that too, like, oh, that person's threatened by me. Um, but if you, appro- you approach them with being very honest, you know, you could break down a barrier and make a friend, a mentor, an ally, because I can tell you anybody likes it when somebody comes up to them and says, I really respect you and I think that you're awesome and I want to be more like you you're probably going to find somebody that reaches out at that moment and says, oh, okay, and they're going to be a lot more open to helping you. Absolutely. I, my teacher, Diane Mushu Hamilton, she says many wise things, but she has a story in her book where she talks about that she, was, she really wanted something. I think it was like her ex-husband. She wanted, she wanted to win this thing with him and, and she woke up in the middle of the night and she was worrying about it. And she said that there was this voice in her head that was like, just lose. And she said she like heard it. And I was like, oh, I can just lose. Like, I don't have to win this one. And like, she went to sleep. And like, I gave her all this peace. And so I, I use that as a bit of a mantra. It's like, if I'm feeling competition with somebody, sometimes it's best just to lose. Like, be like, they are better than me. And, and there's like, I think there's a surrender and a humility that that I heard you talking about of just like, it takes a lot of humility to like go to someone that we're threatened by that we want, we want to be them in some ways. And just to say like, I don't, I don't know how to get there, but like, I'd love to learn from you. And it feels like there's real, there's a real vulnerability in that, but a real ability from that vulnerability to actually grow and form. And like, like you said, create allies. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a great concept to think about. Sometimes losing is winning. You know, what am, what am I really fighting for here? And a lot of times you think you should be winning because you're not living in reality. You know, you're living in this little concept of something that I think should be. And when you can step back from it and really look and say, oh, you know what? This battle is totally not worth fighting or it's something that I just can't win no matter how hard I try. So, yeah, sometimes losing is winning. Yep. That's, I mean, that's a true polarity when it flips there. So that's, that is the winning within losing. And then, mm-hmm. and like, the losing within winning is, is really powerful, too. It's like we can just people who, like you are saying, the people who can just get to the top and they do it without any kind of, like, genuine authenticity. And, and they are, they're not growing as human beings. Like, they're suffering on the inside. And so that's, like, on the outside when, when you're winning, there's, there can be a, a huge loss within that as well 
Oh, God, we see that so much in our culture, you know, people that have these concepts or ideals of power and success and wealth. And many people in those positions that are considered to be, you know, such a high place of status, they're so unhappy, so unhealthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's a good one for our culture to know because we, I think we thrive on competition in our culture. Like I think we all help each other grow and become more because we, we have a lot of media influence that tells us how successful everyone else is and how we should be doing more and we should be more. And that, there's a wisdom to that. But then to also look at the, look at the loss within all that winning, which I think is, is this like lack of moral high ground mm-hmm. that you brought up. And, and we'll, it brings me too I think what you were saying before about really going to the people that threaten us and, and being humble with them like like what is the difference between like competition and collaboration because to me that feels like another another little polarity or big polarity within the mix yeah I think that's a perfect example of getting out of the competitive mode where you have the blinders on I got to get to the finish line I got to beat this person or you know win this race and then to open it up and get that 360-degree vision and say, okay, what is the collaboration here? What are the opportunities that are presenting themselves to me? Uh, and how can we become more together? Like, you can be successful, I can be successful, but we're never going to be successful in the same ways because, you, like you said, we each have these God-given talents. We have these innate capabilities, um, within us and if we can bring them together it, there there has to be more from that from a collaboration but it does mm-hmm. mean sacrificing a little bit of that ego I think it becomes like a, a truly like um, like there's a humility that I feel in when I collaborate with somebody and it's it's uh, I work a lot on my own which is it's fine and it's comfortable for me but I, I think because of that when I can have a true collaboration I think these conversations are part of that like I always feel like I'm I'm a little bit more vulnerable and open because I don't know where it's going exactly. It's you and I are driving together instead of just me, so I have to let go of control. And that, but within it is like I feel like there's a lot more space for actual inspiration to come forward, and the creativity feels much stronger to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very few of us know exactly what's going on at every moment, <laughs> and. You know, if you subscribe to the thoughts that, okay, we are all one and we're just different expressions of consciousness, you know, to be able to collaborate with somebody else, what a gift. Because then you are both bringing together a joining of that universal consciousness in like a real dance. And it can be very beautiful when you're truly doing the give and take. Yeah. Well, you're married too. I'm, I'm, I'm best friends with your wife. So how does that work being in a partnership like a marriage to collaborate? Uh, it, if you're not doing it, it's very uncomfortable, you know, because both of us are very strong-willed people. Um, we don't really, aren't the subservient type. And, no. <laughs> you know, Danielle is definitely not. And no. I'm not myself, really. Um, so, you know, there's a, a great expression for anybody that's married or in any type of relationship. You can either be right or you can be happy. 
you know, and a lot of that comes into play when you really want to be in a collaborative relationship, um, especially being married, you know. So you could be right, and you could force the issue and make that person really understand that you're right. And again, in the winning, you will have lost. <laughs> I so, was just thinking that, like, what is what is the loss within that win? Oh yeah, many many things can be lost. <laughs> um, and and it goes in the same thing at work, you know. In a lot of ways, in our professional environments, you have to have a directive. You, know, you have to have that major goal. Um, but my goodness, there's so many ways to get there with the team of people you have. And I see in a lot of cases where people want to force their agenda upon the group, and they lay down the law and everybody goes to work. And in many cases, that will get the job done. But could it have been done better? Could it have been a, you know, more creative? Could you have figured out new opportunities that could have been found instead of just forcing everybody into that one hole that you say they have to be in? And you know, that goes in our personal relationships, you know, especially with a man and a woman. Because as you're saying, you know, especially in the past, women had a subservient role to men. And that is still... Uh, a common theme that is brought up in a lot of our culture and a lot of our relationships. And, you know, I've really tried to step out of that in my relationship, you know, do the dishes. I mean, whatever needs to be done, do it at the moment. Don't expect that person to do it, you know, and have everybody chip in when they can. Yeah, I think I think you you and Danielle have a, a relationship that I I admire in that way. Like I, I see you both really sharing power in in a, um, a way that's comfortable. You know, I I see you challenging each other in some great ways and collaborating with each other. But I see it all as being the like the healthy versions of those. And yeah, yeah, we're really blessed in that way for sure. Uh, I read something the other day, you know, about being a strong man with a strong woman. And to have a woman especially, and this is totally analogous to men, but it's even more so for women in today's society, our world, our culture, the energies that are happening, to have a woman step into her own and be strong about it and to stand her ground in her professional career especially, that is the role of a healer. And I thought that was a really poignant thing to say. Because for so long, women have been suggested, subjected, held down, and not allowed to have what we call power. So to help support women in that, I think is a real gift for any man to be in and to you know, support them and not require them to be in some type of role. You know, just allow them to be that strong person they are and to, to work on those God-given talents they have. And in doing that, they become successful and they're examples to other women and other men about the strength and power that a woman has and can give to everybody. I 100% agree. And I'm, I want to know for men who are listening out there or, or women who are listening who want their partners to, to understand the, the necessity, I think, for women to step into their power. To, and I love what you just said. It's like it's not it's for a woman to step into her greatness and her talents right now is being a healer. And in a time when we are, 
I think desperately in need of healers in our culture. And like, um, we need, we need to like reach that tipping point of like moving towards a place of healing right now. I, I get a little worried sometimes, honestly. Um, mm. How can men out there do the work that they need to do on themselves in order to support a strong woman? Because I, I think women's strength is so, it's really strong. And I think a lot of men, I interpret it as they get threatened by it. But like, what do you, what do you think? And how could you, what could you tell to the men out there who want to be better and support women in a better way? I'd say, you know, as with anything, first come from a place of love and compassion. You know, always try to have that vibrational space inside your being in that space. And when you are in love and compassion, respect and humility come from that naturally. So when things pop up that create fear, which then translates into anger and aggression, we've got to step back because that's such a natural place hormonally testosterone for a man to be in, you know, just, Oh, I can, I can control this. I can force that. I can, you know, be the person that uh, dominates the situation and get what I feel needs to happen, you know, and in most cases, and especially in your relationship with your woman, that is not going to be a very good place to have any kind of relationship. So being a place of love of compassion then the respect and the humility will arise from that. And it's tough. I mean, there's times where, you know, I want more attention from my wife. You know, I, I would like to come home and have my dinner ready, all my clothes folded, you know, all that stuff. And some days Danielle's able to do it. But other days she's really busy because she has a very, very high-powered, strong career. And... I either have to be able to do it myself or just step back and say, it doesn't need to get done today. Big deal. You know, my little concept of the perfect home situation or the perfect relationship doesn't need to be in place and shouldn't be today. And what's really perfect is being observant about what's going on in the moment, in reality. And being observant, I think, of our expectations is what I hear in there, too. It's like, oh, I, I expected this. I had a hard day. Yeah. I know from my perspective when I've been in a relationship, it's like if I have a hard day, I want to come home and have my partner be 100% attentive to me and taking care of me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's all well and good until my partner's also had a hard day. And then how do we each look at our expectations and, and um, look at our desire for power in that moment and, and, and be collaborative and be like, hey, yeah babe, this isn't working, I'm having a hard day, like, can we get, can we get takeout, whatever. But it, I think it does take that, that self-awareness. Um, oh, yeah. And that's, and that's where the personal work becomes so important because self-awareness comes from really, really working on yourself and from really a desire to know, to know more. And, it, and I think when I think about what, the, what we can all do to help each other the most, it, it is to do our own personal work and to develop self-awareness and to, like, Absolutely. develop, um, like, self-care, like being able to take care of herself when no one else can. Yeah, and, and full disclosure to our audience, Danielle and I did a lot of work on ourselves before we got together. You know, this is not our first marriage. We both have divorces in our past, and, you know, we both 
had come into this relationship doing a lot of self-evaluation. Um, so we were very fortunate that we had done that and we were coming into it you know, with that in our background and we've been able to build on that. Um, so yeah, we, we have not been doing this perfect. <laughs> we're not doing it perfect. But like, yeah, just that self-awareness, the appreciation for just the gift of having somebody in your life that you can trust, that you can rely on, you know, that you have the opportunity to figure out what is love. Um, you first got to try to do it with yourself. And we're all those layers of onions where that's always evolving. And then to have somebody that wants to really step into that space with you and support you in that journey and you can support them, well, that's, that's a real gift. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Collaboration, man. And, and it's, I mean, I think it really is such a profound spiritual truth that in, in the integral community I'm part of, um, facilitation and coaching, um, we have a, a motto that we are for each other. And when we get together, we, we carry that. Like, that, like our working as a group together is, like, your breakthrough is my breakthrough. And so it doesn't, your win is not my loss. Like, your win is my win. And I think that's, that's really where I see our culture um, needing to move. Um, I think we mm-hmm. can move there, and I think that that's the thing that we all need to, to tap more into the, like, caring about the relationship and the whole more than we care about getting our, our own individual needs met by somebody else. And part of that is realizing that we can meet our own needs. And that way, when someone else can help meet our needs, like, I will definitely take a, a, someone cooking dinner for me. That's wonderful. Like, rub my feet, sure. <laughs> but if it doesn't happen, like, can I be okay? And, um, yeah. And, yeah. And so you all, you give me a lot of inspiration, um, you and Danielle both in that way. And, like, I hope, I hope people who are listening right now feel that as well and can take some time to really look at their relationships and just to look like where you feel, where you feel a competition. And I know people can feel in a romantic relationships and it's definitely there. There's such a strong polarity between the masculine and feminine, um, no matter what gender you are in a relationship. And so to just start to treat the relationship itself like another entity that like, what can I do to nourish and, and um, collaborate and take care of this entity that is relationship. And like, and if I can do that with one other person, I can do it for a group. If I can do it for a group, I can do it for a community. And if I can do it for a community, I can do it for the whole. And, um, and that's really where I see all of this taking us. So um, thank you, Mark. I really, I really learned from you <laughs> and from oh, us. Well, and I thank you so much for just, yeah, wanting to have me include what I'm saying onto your podcast and, giving me the opportunity to be with you here. Oh, what an honor. And you definitely inspire Danielle and I and a lot of other people. I know that. So thank you for that. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, thanks to everyone who's been listening too. And next week, I'm not exactly sure where next week is going. I'm thinking it might be about just like how to really start putting it out there. And like maybe fear of rejection. Actually, that just came to me because I think that's, that's a big one because like after we decide we're going to collaborate, we get vulnerable, and then we have to actually put it out there in the world. I think the next thing that does come in is it might get rejected. <laughs> so I've, um, I have a guest already in mind. And so keep listening and keep kind of, you know, resonating with how this process is working for you. Like how are you moving from control? How are you really daring to put yourself out there? How are you relating to competition? And can you transmute that into collaboration? 
and and just little by little, I think that we we're not going to be perfect at, at this stuff, but if we can just start to get some self awareness, that's all we need. So thanks a lot, Mark. Thanks a lot, everyone who's been listening, and I'll I'll catch you all later. Bye bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also, write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place.